Good morning again. We're going to continue in our gospel series. If you're visiting or new here, we are going through the all four gospels in chronological order. So we've just begun a month or so ago. We'll, we'll be in the gospels for roughly three years as we work our way all the way through them. Uh, I think it's going to be an extremely rewarding process as we, as we go through. Um, so today, we've, we've been in the Gospel of Luke. Now we're going to switch gears and, and jump to the Gospel of Matthew. If you want, I have a rough idea of the next three years already laid out. So if you, if you want to know where we're going from week to week, I have that. Uh, it could have some minor changes through it, but I do have that all, all planned out. So I can print that off for you and give it to you if you'd like to. If you're someone, you're that little student who sits in the front row and... Uh, and you'd like to be prepared, then that's, I have that, if you'd like to do that. So today, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the preparations for the birth of Jesus. We, we talked a lot about John. Uh, we've, we've been through Mary being told she's going to have this Jesus, and we talked about some of those struggles that she was going to have. Today, we're going to talk more about those, and we're also going to talk about Joseph and how this affects him. And I think he's, not that he's overlooked in this, but, I mean, Mary... Mary faces the brunt of it as the person carrying the child, but there's certainly consequences that Joseph is going to have as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So we're going to jump in in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So there's a, a whole system of how marriage worked in the ancient world, especially with Jewish people. It was, it was a very step-by-step process, and there was three general steps, okay? So first there was the pledge, so you would pledge to be married. The families would agree to the marriage. Normally the, the father of the bride and the father of the groom would come together as representatives of their family and negotiate how this was going to work. And there's all kinds of intricacies intricacies of that that we're not going to talk about today, but they're super fascinating of how that worked, the bride price and all those certain things. So the families would negotiate. When they came to an agreement, then they would make a public announcement. And that public announcement kind of served as for, in our system, as an engagement. So generally speaking, um, the groom will propose to their bride, and they are engaged in the, in the way we do marriage. Step two f- is essentially that in the Jewish world. But in the, in the Jewish world, that is more binding than in ours. So if you are engaged and you decide, the two of you come together and decide, you know what, this probably isn't going to work, there's, there's no paperwork to do, you're just done. But once, once those two are betrothed, are engaged in the Jewish world, they are essentially married. They're just not living together. So in order for them to back out, they have to get a divorce, essentially. So it is much more binding than in our system. And that's important to keep in mind because that's what we're dealing with here in verses 18 and 19. Mary and Joseph, we're not sure for how long, but they are betrothed. They are engaged to each other. And in order for Joseph to get out of this, or Mary, they are going to have to get a divorce. So instead of being able to maybe, I don't know that the, the word is the right word is hide it, but in our culture, you could hide it, Right? You could just, there's no paperwork to do. There's no going down to the county. You just are done being engaged. For them, and in their world, that's not the case. So in order for Joseph to back out, 
it's going, they're going to have to have a divorce. And remember, they live in a small village that is, that is going to leave a stain on, on both of them and their reputation. And so what we want to do as we go through any time we read the Bible is we're going to try to do our best to enter into the story. My goal for you, and I know you've heard me say it before, is for you to smell it and taste it and see it and hear it. I want you to be in there. So right now, I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Joseph has no clue about the angel that's been to Mary. None of that's, and even if he does, even if Mary's told him, it's like, okay, that's not how pregnancy works. So Joseph is pledged to be married. He's engaged to Mary. And that's the Bible's way of saying, it's okay to say it, it's not, the roof won't come down, they have not had sex. That's what that's, uh, it's okay. Whew, we're all right, right? We survived. All of a sudden, you guys looked at me like we were in seventh grade health class all over again, right? <laughs> Y'all know how this works, right? Okay, we're good. That's, that's the Bible's way of saying that, right? So there's no way that that baby is Joseph's. That's, what, that's the point, okay? The point in verse 18 is there's no way that this child that Mary is carrying belongs to Joseph. And so I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment and... Maybe you have lived this in real life. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone before. But what is Joseph feeling in this moment? And it's betrayal. This person that he was planning on spending the rest of his life with has apparently not been faithful to him. That's the impression, right? That's the impression. And so she's, we know what's going on. We know that Mary has, has been faithful. She's done nothing wrong. But Joseph doesn't know that at this point, and no one else around besides Elizabeth and Zechariah know that either. And the whole Holy Spirit story is not going to go real far with people in the village, okay? They're not going to believe that. And so Joseph is in a pickle here. What does he do? What does he do? And so Joseph comes up with a plan, and this is not a bad plan, by the way. This shows us a little bit about Joseph's character, is he's not going to publicly disgrace her. He's not going to run her name through the mud, which is very easy for us to do in moments when we are hurt, is we want to hurt back. Right? We want to hurt back. We want that person to feel the same pain that we're feeling right now, and so we lash out. Joseph doesn't do that. That shows us something about his character, doesn't it? Shows us about who he is. That he doesn't allow other people's decisions to affect his own. And as a parent... We talked about with this with our kids, our boys specifically, because they're 8 and 10, all the time. That it doesn't matter what so-and-so does or what they did at school or what they said. Your standards are these standards. And those are the standards you're going to live by, regardless if the standards are the same for your friends or the people around you. Joseph shows us that his standard is his standard. That he's not going to try to make Mary pay for what she's done. Which shows me a level of maturity. Joseph has a level of maturity. Because what he has in mind is to divorce her quietly. No shame, no, no social media campaign against how terrible she is as a human being and all the hurt she's done to him. It's just going to be done and we're going to walk away from this with as little collateral damage as humanly possible. There's other options, by the way, that are not so great. Most likely, it's, it can't be done because remember in this time in history, the Jewish people are under Roman rule, and our understanding is that they were not allowed to carry out their own capital punishment. 
But what does the book of Deuteronomy says about someone who is unfaithful, who commits adultery? So she could be stoned to death. And that stone, like not like organ stoned, like they throw rocks at you, right? At your head until you die. That kind of stoning. Not the one that you go over and you get the... You guys got it. Okay. Just making sure. They throw rocks at your head until you die. That's the kind of stoning we're talking about. She could be, she could be put to death for this. Now, again, because they're under Roman rule, it's probably not the case. They're not allowed to carry out capital punishment. But that is the extreme punishment that could happen. Joseph decides... He's going to divorce her, but he's going to do so quietly. And why? Because he loves her. He doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He doesn't want to run her through the mud. He's going to do it. He cares about her. She's made, he believes, she's made a poor choice, which, like, join the club, right? We've all made poor choices before, even if it wasn't this one. But decides he's going to do it in, in the most, I think, kind and gentle and gracious way possible. Now, fortunately, God's going to intervene because that's what God does. Look what happens in verse 20. But after he had considered this, notice, I, I love what God does here and God's patient. We're not, but God is. God doesn't just solve the problem instantly, does he? Why did God just not tell Joseph to begin with the same time that this happens to Mary that this is what's going on? I, I can't answer that, by the way. That's a hypothetical question I'm asking all of you as well. I don't know the answer. God could have. He chose not to. It's, it's in these times, though, it's in the difficult times that we find out what we're made of, don't we? We see who Joseph really is. So after he had considered this, Joseph has his plan. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph is now brought into the, in on the plan. He knows what's going on, and instead of now having to, to go through the pain and the hurt of divorcing Mary, he has a choice to make. Does he believe the angel? It's a good idea to do that, by the way. And say, okay, God, I'm in. Now, this is not free of consequence still. It's easy for us to sit here almost 2,000 years later and go, well, yeah, Joseph has a pretty easy decision to make. He takes Mary home and, and they live happily ever after. But if he does that, what is the perception of everybody else in the village they live? What is Joseph doing? He's taking responsibility for the child, which then means most people are going to believe about Joseph that Joseph and Mary had sex before they were supposed to. That's the ramifications. So when Joseph steps out in faith here, there is a consequence that he has with the people, maybe even his family, who are probably telling him, Joseph, you should probably walk away. She clearly is not the woman for you. We thought she was and she is not. And Joseph says, no, I'm going to stay by her side. So it's essentially an admission of guilt is what Joseph is doing. That's why I believe it's so important for us as we read the Bible to make it real, to put ourselves in their shoes. Because if you just read the story as, oh, this is the Christmas story, I've heard this a thousand times, you lose the human aspect of it, of what price do Mary and Joseph have to pay in their personal lives to bring about this Jesus? And they both are facing disgrace and shame. 
from some people who were probably the very closest, maybe even family and probably certainly friends and the people of the village. Y'all live here in Weezer, so you know how fast word talks. The village of Nazareth is smaller, so word travels very quickly in Midbelt and Cambridge and Weezer. It traveled just as quick, even though there wasn't cell phones, in the village that they call home. And so there's a price that Mary has paid, absolutely. There's also a price that Joseph has paid as well. When you say yes to God, sometimes there is a price that you just have to pay. If anyone has told you something different, I'm sorry, they lied to you. When you say yes to Jesus, he doesn't mean all your problems just magically go away. Sometimes you get new problems, and that's what's happening with Joseph and Mary. Now the angel tells them that, he's going, that this little son of theirs, this child that's going to be born, is going to be named Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, is a form of the name Joshua, which means God is salvation. The angel tells them that. like They already know it because there's a lot of people in their time period who are named Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. He is our, our salvation. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. That quote is from Isaiah 7, 14. That's the prophet of the prophet Isaiah. Talking about, of course, the Messiah. If you read that whole section, he's talking about his own kids. It's, it's kind of convoluted, but it was predicted. What Mary and Joseph are going through was talked about hundreds of years before in the book of Isaiah. And that their son, Jesus, would also have the title, Emmanuel, God with us. One of the reasons that the virgin birth is so important to us as Christians is the virgin birth speaks more than just to the miracle, to the miraculous. It's important because Jesus has to be freed from this sinful nature that is passed on to all human beings through Adam. And that Paul has that great discussion on, on contrasting Adam and Jesus in the book of Romans. So Jesus is born of a woman, making him 100% human, but not of the male, the Holy Spirit is the one who puts that baby inside of her, which makes him both human and, and God and divine. He is God in the flesh. He has to be, by the way, to save us from our sins. If he's not divine, he's just another person crucified. Lots of people were crucified. If he's not human, then he can't sympathize with us. That's what is so brilliant about what God had concocted all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 with this Messiah, this idea that he would be both human and, and God, that God would come in the flesh. He would be Emmanuel, God with us. Is that when we pray, we have a God who can understand what it's like to live here on planet Earth. He can sympathize. He has been tried. He has been tempted as well. But he had to be God because only God could do what Jesus did, which was live a sinless and perfect life. So the virgin birth matters to Christian doctrine. It just does. Because it's God's plan coming in flesh and blood. The story continues in verse 24 and 25. And Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. We spoke about this a little bit already. By, by marrying Mary, he is taking on the responsibility of this Jesus. Now, one of the, those areas of the Bible that kind of always is hard is we don't know a lot about Joseph after the, the Christmas story. We believe by the time that Jesus enters his ministry, roughly the age of 30, Joseph has probably passed away by then. Probably no longer alive because there's no mention of him. Mention of Mary, brothers, sisters, but no, no Joseph. So we really, our only glimpse of Joseph is going to be here at the beginning of the story. And so I want us to really pay attention to, to Joseph. Again, he's, is he the main character in this? I would argue no, Mary is, most certainly. She's literally carrying the burden. She's carrying the child. But the picture we get of Joseph, who's also a young man, probably older than Mary. Mary's a teenager. He maybe is a late teen, early 20s. The picture we get of Joseph is someone who's also faithful, who's willing to take on the challenges that God throws in front of him. And what it tells us here is that he cares about what God thinks. Everybody around him already thinks they've consummated the marriage. That's why Mary is pregnant. And yet Joseph says, I know I haven't. And even though everyone around me thinks I have, I'm going to stay true to who I am. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fold. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to remain faithful no matter what. So we don't have a lot about Joseph, but what we have, I would argue, is very impressive. He's a young man who sticks to what he believes. Even when everyone around him believes he has not. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. If we're honest with ourselves, it's hard for us as, as adults, let alone when we're our teens in our 20s. If everyone thinks you've already done it, why not just jump in and do it? That's what we call peer pressure, by the way, right? Why not just join in? If your reputation's already been stained, if everyone is whispering and talking about you in your hometown, why not just go ahead and sin? And for Joseph and Mary, they just refuse. And it reminds me so much of what we read, if, for those who came to Bible study, in the book of Daniel, about Daniel and his friends, who are teenagers when they are taken from their home. And what we get from them is just faithfulness. Even when they have every excuse not to be. Every excuse to not be faithful and do whatever they want. They refuse to give in. This is what we would refer to, what I refer to, what we refer to in my family as character. It's what you do when no one's watching. And what we have from Joseph and from Mary is character. And so we don't know, I don't know, why God chooses them. I don't. I don't have a clue. I, could, I can speculate all day long. Matter of fact, it's a lot of fun to do that. But what I know for sure from what we see from the Bible is I think God chooses them because they have it here. It's character. They have what God is looking for. And God has always been looking for people who are just faithful. Flawed? He, he can deal with flawed. Because if he can't, he can't use any of us. But what God can always use, what the Bible has always shown us, is God can, do, can move mountains with people who are faithful. 
You don't have to be the, the gifted. You don't, you don't have to be the best. If you're faithful, God can use you. What we have for Mary and Joseph is two more examples of people who are faithful. They're just faithful. What we celebrate tomorrow are people who are faithful. You've seen the pictures of those teenagers on those boats as those boats made their way to the beaches of Normandy, knowing that most of them would never make it to the beach. And yet when the doors dropped, they ran towards the gunfire. When everything in your body and your brain says, run away, don't get out, stay in the boat, swim the opposite direction. You don't have to be a World War II historian to know how important that, that moment in time was when those young men rushed those beaches, making their way against all odds to those machine gun nests that had every tactical advantage over them. As they watched all their friends being mowed down one after another right by them. If it wasn't for their faithfulness, God only knows where we would be. There's anything we can, tradition that we should cling to with everything we have is the tradition of faithfulness. Be faithful to our God first and foremost, the family and the country. In that order, by the way, God first. What we celebrate tomorrow, the reason that we'll all have a day off, hopefully, is faithfulness. It's always been rewarded. It always should be. We can take that pledge to our God. Say, God, no matter what happens, I'm just going to do my best to be faithful. Now, he already knows we're not going to always honor the promise. That's not a surprise to him. What we can do is just do our best. God, I just want to do my best to honor you in everything I do, knowing that I won't always get it right, but that I'll try. I'll give it everything I have. Joseph and Mary are two great examples of people who give it everything they have for God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this story as we get to see and learn a little bit more about Joseph. We've kind of been focused a lot on Mary so far, as we should be. What we see from Joseph, God, is a, is a young man who, like Mary, is, a, is it's just impressive. That his, he's willing to be faithful to you, even when he doesn't understand, even though he's done nothing wrong, that this situation has just been thrown on him, it's been thrust upon him, and yet he chooses to stay true to you even though he has way more questions than he has answers. And God, we're thankful for people like Mary and Joseph. We ask that you'd help, help us to be, be like them, to be faithful to you, God, no matter where we are or who we're with or what we're doing. God, that's hard from time to time. It's hard. To, this, the sin nature we have pulls and tugs at us, God, to go our own way and do our own thing. Yet you tell us to practice the fruit of your spirit. People of love, people of joy, people of mercy and grace and kindness, even when we don't want to be. 
tell us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. God, that's hard. Yeah, we know because we have you, we can do all kinds of hard things. And God, we just pray that you would help us tomorrow to have a few moments of just silent reflection of the millions of people who have given their life in the service of our country, helping to preserve for us the freedoms that we enjoy, God, like no people on planet Earth have probably ever enjoyed. And God, may those freedoms not end with us. May we prove to be faithful as well so that the generations that come after us can also enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. The price was too heavy for so many for us not to. God, we thank you. Thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, who's freed us from sin and death, given us the best gift we could have ever imagined. And it's in his powerful and healing name we pray and all God's people said.